Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Lewis Butko. News next at one o'clock. Your Niagara Falls by-election candidates live in studio on the Jim Fannin Show, which starts now on Newstalk 610 CKTV. This is the Jim Fannin Show on Niagara's News Talk 610. Call now, 905-688-2582, 1-877-610-2582, or text us at 61010. I've made one mistake in my life. I should have burned a Berlin down. And now the drugs are slowly wearing off. And your smile looks more like a frown I give you freedom, you are alone Memento mori, infinitum heal I tear your heart out, if you had one You took Manhattan, and now you take The shipments in quarantine Under quarantine A sensational Sunday to you Genius of you to listen. I am Jim Fannin, your Sunday scrub, live. Right here, every Sunday, noon to two, on the One Voice for Niagara. 610 CKTB, 610 on your AM dial or online. 610CKTB.com. Take a cruise in our podcast. Last week's show blew up. Never had 200 views and... A week before. No, it's only 200, but come on. It's a scrub, man. Check out our website. Check out the podcast for a bunch of talent here. And myself, just cruise over to all shows. Sunday, we've got another great show for you today. Additional ways for you to interact with the Jim Fannin Show. You can chirp us. Twitter, give us some feedback. Continue the conversation out there. At 610CKTB, at Jim Fannin, F-A-N-N-O-N, jimfannon at gmail.com, so I get it quickly. You want to send in an email, you have your digits. I prefer the text. It's the fastest, most efficient way to get in. The digits you want to bang into that box of yours are 61010. Get on it. Less of you, more of me, and my guests makes for a better show today. Love to take your calls, but we're all going. We're going all candidates of the by-election in Niagara Falls today. We've only got we're preempted today, so we're out at one thirty. So that means I've got a segment with each of the candidates that has declared in Niagara Falls after. Kim Crater quits on his party and his constituents, leaving the electorate without representation at a critical time, and we're forced to throw a half-million-dollar election party to replace him. So in the studio with me today, after the break, we're going to start off with Paul Rizicki. Now, you must know this name. 
spent some time in a Russian jail, almost three months. We're going to find out what the hell was it like being in a Russian jail for three months. And find out what he was up to when he got arrested, detained, how long he's been doing it, and why. Paul Rizicki at 12.15. 12.30, Bart Maves comes in with a special request. He needs to get out early. He'll be first in. In politics, you usually want to draw the last straw. You want to go last so you can sum up everyone and kind of take apart their positions. So Maves is first. He's coming in at 12.30. Bitter ran into car trouble. (laughs) And still gets here relatively on time. Just walks right into the studio like he owns the place. (laughs) So Bart's going to go off at 12.30. Then we're going to draw straws for the order after that. So the next three, we'll draw one, two, three. To see who goes last. I think that's everyone wants to go last. I'm not going to spend too much time going to your phones or text messages. Actually, I'm not going to do that much talking today. My question to the four candidates that are here will be simply, what are your top three local issues? I don't care what your leader says, what your platform is necessarily. I only care how it affects Niagara Falls, and how, if you're elected, you plan on implementing that piece of your platform. So we're going to keep it simple. If they've got enough time and they want to expand past three points, then that's great. But we've only got these guys for 10 or 11, 12 minutes tops in a segment. And I'm sure as the by-election goes on, We will have more time to interact with them, expand on it. Of course, 610 CKTB is organizing a live debate. One-on-one today with me and no phones. Step back from your telephone device. Put your feet up and enjoy the conversation. Next, Paul Rizicki of Greenpeace, one of the Arctic 30. Off this Arctic sunrise, a Greenpeace ship at three months and what do you call it, a gulag? <laughs> I can't imagine being in jail, period. Forget being in jail in Russia. Up next, Paul Rizicki's with me. We'll have him for one segment, and then we're going all Niagara Falls politics. This is 610 CKTB. is the Jim Fannin Show on Niagara's News Talk 610. Call now, 905-688-2582, 1-877-610-2582, or text us at 610-10. you. Welcome back. I'm Jim Fannin. Davey Jones running the board. All candidates coming up after this. Hold the phones, people. Paul Rizicki, thanks for coming into the booth. Paul, 
Paul, my first question is, man, what was it like in a Russian jail? I guess uh, these guys speak English to you when you're in there, or was it bread and water, just like my mother always said? Well, thanks for having me, Jim. Um, well, it's pretty grim conditions in a Russian jail, as you could probably expect, but um, the whole reason we were there, obviously, was because of our demonstration, our nonviolent direct action, and the protest in the Arctic against the uh, exploration and exploitation of oil up there. And how do you find the effectiveness of what you do with Greenpeace? Well, I've been doing this, this is my 26th year now, and I believe that we do have an impact uh, around the world waking people up. Obviously, um, we can't stop things like Arctic oil exploration or nuclear weapons testing, but we do get in the face, I guess you'd say in the face of people via the international media, and once uh, we get the media out, then it's up to the people to uh, pressure their governments to uh, have the right things done. Now, how long have you been doing this, Paul? Uh, 26 years now. Well, how, how did you get into boarding a Greenpeace? You've been on a ship for 26 years? Yes. Wow. Uh, sailing with uh, Greenpeace for 26 years. I started uh, sailing on the Great Lakes here with one of the local companies, and I did some environmental studies prior to that. In sailing the Great Lakes and the east coast of Canada and the U.S., I came across a lot of uh, polluted harbors and polluted waters. And I had uh, actually seen a demonstration of Greenpeace in 1983 in Vancouver when I was out there. And I kind of got uh, got to thinking Greenpeace has ships. Uh, I'm a sailor, and they're in the environmental movement, so I started corresponding with them. And in 1988, I signed up as a volunteer for a six-month tour of the Great Lakes and the Mississippi River. How old? I was 23 at the time. Good. Now, at any time, I, I guess you, you got to have big balls to get on a Greenpeace ship, ship, period, but at any time, were you in fear for your safety or your life? I don't think so. I mean, uh, I know that the special forces that are dealing with us uh, from different countries, in this case, uh, the Russians, that they're professionals. They know we're Greenpeace. They know we're nonviolent. We don't carry weapons. When they came off uh, the helicopter and dropped down the ropes to take control of our ship, they did it very fast and very effectively. We didn't uh, resist them whatsoever. Not, we saw they had automatic weapons drawn, pistols in hand. Wow. And still, you're, you're just like, oh, I'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, I knew that they were going to take control of the ship. I didn't think that we would go to jail for two months, though. For pirating. Uh, Which is the strangest yeah. thing. I mean, yeah. you're you're hardly pirates. You're unarmed. You're not you're not boarding other people's ship and stealing their gold type. No, of thing. we're doing everything we do. It's, it's nothing is for personal gain. And for one thing, you cannot commit an act of piracy against a stationary object, which the uh, the Russian oil rig is considered a stationary ice resistant platform. Right now, I heard. Uh, I know you haven't done too much media, so I really appreciate you coming in. I've, we'll have you in again, I promise, when we've got some more time. But I appreciate you uh, giving access to us. I know everyone's chasing you. I haven't done a lot of media since you've been home. Uh, I did hear you're just waiting for the next ship to jump on. Are you taking a break, or is are you done? Taking, or? <laughs> I'll take a break for a while. Um, the Russian authorities still have the Greenpeace ship Arctic Sunrise in their control in Murmansk. They haven't released it yet, so they've... Um, They've gone against the International Tribunal of the Law of the Sea. Uh, the order was to release the ship and the crew immediately. That was back in November, I believe. Um, so, yeah, the Russians still have our ship. The case is still ongoing against our ship. The uh, thirty Arctic, uh, the Arctic thirty, were all released on um, grounds of amnesty. Now, how's your family feel about you jumping on a ship and? I think they're used to it. I've, like I said, I've been doing this for 26 years. Um, they know I get into some difficult situations. 
Uh, I've never been arrested and detained uh, for two months before, though. So two months. The family was. media machine kicked in. They really yep. uh, they got the support going locally. I'm still thanking people in Port Coburn when I see them, and yeah, I'm thankful for them for helping me. And tell me about the way our government responded to it and your thoughts on that. Well, the government in Canada, I, I wasn't here, obviously. I don't know what was going on in Canada, but uh, I was told that things are happening behind the scenes. It's all political. The, um, the embassy staff from Moscow came to every court hearing I had. They were very supportive, um, genuinely concerned with our well-being, myself and my fellow Canadian from Quebec. So I think, yeah, I thank them as well. They were there for uh, everything I needed. They provided uh, my family with the means to get money into the court, or into the, the jail system so I could purchase things if I needed them. Really? Yeah. So you're happy with the way the, your federal government responded? I'm happy with the way the embassy and the counselor staff responded. I have no okay. idea what was going on in Canada behind the I scenes. I heard there was a lot of frustration from people, you know, your family mostly saying, hey, like Canada's silent on this. We, you know, yeah. help us get Paul back. You know, use your diplomatic channels. I guess that got done then. Well, the embassy staff was very helpful. They helped, they were, you know, writing letters to the Russian authorities and they also um, helped me get my exit visa in order. They wrote a letter on my behalf to help me uh, assist getting the exit visa in order so I could leave Russia. Now talk to me about the conditions inside this Russian jail. I mean, are you treated special or are you just like every other prisoner? And is it like a, a maximum security prison? Are you in with some really bad people in there? Uh, it was uh, technically a detention center, so it okay. wasn't a, a prison. All right. It's a pre-trial detention center. I don't think we were treated special. I believe that the authorities knew we were very high profile. Okay. Uh, I did share uh, myself for almost two months with a Russian, uh, I'll say a Russian gentleman, a criminal. I don't know exactly <laughs> what he did. He didn't speak English. I didn't speak Russian, but we had a couple dictionaries and we managed to communicate a bit. How long were you cohabitating with him? I think we were in the same cell for about a month and a half. Wow. Yeah. So did you manage to strike up some sort of, I guess you have to have some sort of relationship if you're live, living in that close of quarters. It's just a small um, cell, I guess. Well, the food was um, not very... Not very pleasant, I'll say, but Greenpeace was supplying us with care packages every week. So they could get some into yeah. the detention center. Yeah, so we were all sharing with our cellmates. Uh, there was too, actually too much food to, to eat that I, for myself, so I was just sharing with uh, the cellmate. I think that's an un, unwritten rule in the prisons that you share everything. I, I guess you don't know that from previous experience. It's the first time in jail for you? Yeah, I've been detained a few times, but uh, okay. never for more than a couple days or three days maximum, I think and it was. Tell me a little bit, Paul, I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Tell me a little bit about what you consider your effectiveness of this type of demonstration. For me, and you said as soon as you came in, I'm not political. Yeah. Back in the old days when I was a candidate, I used the political system running as a candidate to raise awareness, to okay. teach people the platform and whatnot. You're in a whole different ballgame, although you're... Your entity, Greenpeace, is very political. It doesn't, it doesn't carry a political profile. It's not running an election. So no, we how, don't have a political party. We're, well, uh, how do you consider the effectiveness of your type of demonstration? The last one, I think, uh, very it was more effective than we could have ever hoped for or imagined. Uh, once, If we would have just hung a banner, took a photograph, and there was no response from the authorities, I don't think the message would have got out so well. But uh, once we were arrested and detained... The Greenpeace media machine, as I call it, uh, mm -hmm. really swung into gear, and the message got out, I believe, to every continent on the planet, and the message is still going out. There's still, uh, I believe, uh, the campaign to save the Arctic. We have over 5 million signatures now. Wow. Paul Ruzicki is my guest, one of the Arctic 30, straight off Arctic sunrise, and then...
to a Russian jail for two months. Uh, Paul, thanks again for your time. Tell me a little bit about the actual demonstration that you're participating in. Has there been any changes as far as drilling, where they're drilling? I, I understand this is a brand new platform, yes? Yeah, the platform, I believe, is 10 years in the making. And the day we got amnesty is the day the Russian authorities announced that the uh, the rig that we were protesting against is actually pumping oil out of the Arctic now. So, I mean, an Arctic, any Arctic or drilling, for that matter, uh, where you have a, a, an oil well or an oil platform, that equals a spill eventually, which will affect all the local communities, uh, their traditional ways of life. There's no technology to clean up an oil spill in the waters of the Arctic, on the ice or below the ice. So I believe, and Greenpeace, I think, will back me up on this, that we must make the transition to renewable energies. There's proven viable technology. Clean energy is possible. Other countries are leading the way. I wish Canada would do more instead of pursuing this tar sands, which is just the largest scar on the planet right now. It, it's, I mean, the younger people must realize that it's their future, and do they want to deal with the mess of an oil economy? What we're calling for in the Arctic is similar to what we've achieved in the Antarctic. It's a world base or world park where there's right. no... Uh, there's only scientific research, there's no mineral exploration or exploitation, uh, there's no military activity, no industrial fishing. So we're calling for that in the waters of the international waters of the Arctic. Well, Paul, thank you very much for your time. I'm really happy to have you in. And like I said, when we're not so pressed for time, I hope to have you back in when we can explore this a little bit further. But thank you for your courage and your uh, time and your access. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me, Jim. Paul Ruzicki is my guest. Two months in a Russian jail for demonstrating demonstrating from a ship right around a platform, a Russian platform that's ex, uh, extracting oil from the Arctic waters. The Arctic 30, as he's been known to be a part of, off the Arctic sunrise up next. Bart Maves is out first. He's going to tell you his Three priorities for Niagara Falls and the by-election. This is 610 CKTB. is the Jim Fannin Show on Niagara's News Talk 610. Call now, 905-688-2582, 1-877-610-2582, or text us at 610-10. Welcome back. I am Jim Fannin. Although I'm normally tempted to let that bumper run, we got a lot of business to get to today. Bart Maves is next up with me. He's in the booth. Bart, thanks for taking the time. I know you're really busy. Yeah, it's my pleasure to be here, Jim. Tell us a little bit about your three priorities for Niagara Falls. Well, um, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll repeat it uh, over and over again. I've been nominated since January, and I've said it then, and I continue to say it today. My three priorities are quite simply jobs, jobs, and jobs. Okay. Uh, Niagara's uh, got one of the highest unemployment rates in all of Ontario right now. 
uh, when you go door to door, uh, it's what everyone is. What everyone sure. down everyone's mind. It's all about the economy, stupid. That's so, what they yeah, <laughs> we so, all say. Uh, you know, when I was uh, in office before, uh, we went from um, the Bob Ray NDP era of high taxes, high uh, deficits, and uh, the plants closing all over Ontario to uh, one of the uh, highest growth, economic growth uh, jurisdictions in all of North America for four years. And I think we uh, know how to turn an economy around and start creating jobs, and that's my number one, number two, and number three priority. I'm glad you said that, turn the economy around, because government traditionally, especially provincially and federally, really don't create jobs. I mean, we can obviously bring in policies that give us a good environment for the economy to exist in or for jobs to flourish in, but what's your plan for actually bringing more jobs to Niagara Falls? So you're right. The, the, uh, the, the number one thing for a, a government to do is create the proper business uh, conditions and be welcoming to business so it, uh, businesses that are here now will stay and reinvest um, and and they'll create jobs in that manner and businesses from the outside of Ontario will say hey that's where I want to be so there's a lot of things uh, that you need to do uh, we've lost 300 manufacturing jobs uh, in the last 10 300,000 manufacturing jobs uh, across Ontario in the last 10 years and we need to turn that around and bring many bring a lot back so you know, this, it's important things. I talk to businesses all the time. They're tired of uh, opening up their mail, and they and they get a new uh, government regulation that they've got to follow that costs them time and money. Um, their WSIB bills are out of control. Um, their you know their taxes uh, are high, and hydro rates are now the highest in North America for uh, our industrial uh, hydro rates. So that just keeps pushing people out of business and all of those things have to be reversed in order to be able to attract and keep existing businesses. What do you consider your plan for hydro? I mean, here's another huge thing that impacts us uh, locally, although it's a a province-wide issue. I mean, this is something that's really hurting our manufacturing sector is the power, uh, is the price of power and the price of hydro, electricity. Look at all all of the companies that used to come to Niagara that have have gone now came because of cheap power and, and, uh, over the years, like most recently, we've lost John Deere. We've lost, um, you know, we just lost Thoral Paper. Just yep. announced the other day they're going to lay off, and I mean it goes on and on. And hydro rates are, are critical. Uh, we lost a lot of those jobs back in the ninety to ninety five. You won some back, and now we've lost a lot in the last ten years. So we've got to improve the business climate, lower their costs, and, and get them into Ontario. What's your plan for the? for cheaper hydro then i mean well, the way i see it it's just going to keep going through the roof everything's going up you got to get yeah you've got a uh, the, the auditor general did once again did everybody a favor by revealing a huge amount of uh, waste uh, and inefficiency in in, uh, in our hydro in opg and uh hydro one and and we need to uh we need to roll back a lot of those costs. They're, they're providing less power about salaries? on the grid. Yeah, yeah. We have we they provide uh, less power on the grid, but they've got more people. I think they have over eleven thousand people now. Salary's uh, going to be a small percentage of their actual operating costs. Big costs when you have eleven thousand people making over oh, yeah. hundred thousand dollars. That's mm-hmm. big cost, and they're supplying less power uh, in into our grid. So that's one way. And then these uh, solar and wind uh, fit contracts are a disaster. Um, and Are they, we always subsidizing something, though? We subsidize oil and gas uh, hugely to the billion-dollar mark in this country. So uh, I find it interesting that many people are really down on the subsidies to solar and wind when we've been subsidizing coal and oil forever. Well, when you look at 
even in Europe where they've gone to heavy wind and and heavy solar, uh, they've they've found at the end of it that for every one job that might have been created in that industry, four were lost in other industries because of the the hydro rates just become out of control, and that's what's happened here. So we're going to stop that and roll back what we can. When you talk about manufacturing, too, I mean, the old manufacturing jobs certainly aren't coming back. Is there a focus of uh, your party or on your platform, your personal platform for Niagara Falls that will foster green jobs, jobs of the future? Look, uh, th- that's all not altogether true. Uh, one of my clients in, in my business is, is Fleet Canada. It's right. uh, an aerospace company. And I started there uh, five years ago. They had 40 employees. And um, now we're up to 140, and we're hiring 10 more to, to move it up to 150. So, if you know uh, the needs of the business, and and you, uh, we've grown the market, so they've got, we've got Boeing in there now. Uh, if you know the needs of a company and the needs of a business, you can you can uh, make the right moves and make the company grow. And that's what we've done at Fleet. And I'd like to take that expertise uh, and experience and and lend that as an MPP to other manufacturing facilities across Niagara and help them. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say though, there, you know that that is a huge part of what we need to do province wide and here in Niagara Region with with uh, manufacturing jobs. I'm not giving up hope on them. I believe that, that uh, we can win manufacturing back and keep what we still. Well, have. even GM's hired some new guys. Yeah, you know, there's an you know an older uh, company that's been around a long time. It's, it's certainly changed with the times, but still, you know, the traditional manufacturing and they're hiring people. Yeah. Well, not hugely, so, but and and you know the my fleet example. So that you have the odd uh, the odd example here or there, but for the most part, you find them leaving. Uh, mm-hmm. Even the food services industry, Bix pickles and the Heinz plants and so on and so forth. So mm-hmm. we need to clean that up. Um, but here locally, I, you know, one on the top of my mind all the time is, for instance, in the racetrack in Fort Erie. Uh, Tim Hudak and I were MPPs before. We brought uh, two casinos to Niagara Falls. We That had a little bit of an impact on uh, gaming and horse racing industry in Fort Erie, so we put slots in the racetrack. And that made the racetrack boom for years. Um, the Liberal government, supported by the NDP in the 2012 budget uh, that they passed, uh, killed slots at the racetrack program. And since then... Uh, our our racing industry is dying now, uh, and Fort Erie's been killed. And so we're we are firmly in favor of putting slots back at the racetrack. I like to see gaming enhanced even a little bit more. And uh, whoever ends up running the slots or the gaming at the racetrack, a condition of license would be to make sure that racing uh, is maintained at Fort Erie. And that's a big that'll be a big boost uh, for that town, which has been suffering for a lot of reasons. Uh, but that's such a important piece of their history, and uh, it keeps people in restaurants and keeps some local shops and everything. So that's a big thing. You think it's an advantage to, to you as a candidate? I guess you're going to say yes to this, but you've been there before. You're the only candidate that's actually been elected as an MPP. Do you think that holds an advantage for you? Yeah. Like, I mean, it didn't last time twice against Kim Crater, but well, this time around, every election's different. So Yeah, every, every election's different. They have the different issues and... and uh, you know, different personalities. Um, but it the experience of having been there, knowing my way around the ministry, I still go back up to uh, Queen's Park as a regional councillor, uh, and I can meet with um, current Liberal cabinet ministers that I know from when I was there before. Wow. Uh, I have... You know, friends in the federal government, Jim Flaherty and John oh, Bayer, and Tony Clement. Well, <laughs> it's not going to help you. <laughs> that's just it, it, the if you know these people, you have experience with these people. You can, uh, you know, you can call on those relationships to help your community. The other couple things I want to mention real quick yep. is, and um, 
We're also opposed to the 29 new casinos that the gaming modernization strategy that the Liberals and EP passed in the 2012 budget. Taxing sickness. Totally opposed to uh, to building new casinos like that all across Ontario. It'll devastate Niagara uh, mm. casinos. Um, and for a long time, I've been in favor of opening more outlets for the sale of Niagara wine. To me, it's totally crazy that we have a fully integrated uh, industry. They plant the grapes, they grow the grapes, they harvest the grapes, they make the wine, they bottle it, they box it, and then they're not allowed to sell it. Uh, the only place they're allowed to sell it is out of their storefront or uh, you know at an LCBO. And the LCBO can't take all of the wines uh, that are that are made in Ontario and put them on their shelf. So we need more outlets for Niagara wine made by Niagara grapes, uh, and that'll help Niagara on the Lake boom too. Awesome. Thank you, Clark. Bart Maves. Bart Maves, I just want to say, note free. He hasn't got a pen, a paper, a pad, nothing in front of him. He's just, hey, that's a politician for you. Thank you, Bart. And I'm going to go to the kitchen and see who's next because I don't really know. Davy Jones running the board. We need to get out for a quick break and back with more All Candidates. This is the Jim Fannin Show on Niagara's News Talk 610. Call now, 905-688-2582, 1-877-610-2582, or text us at 61010. Welcome back. I am Jim Fannin. Pretty excited getting all the candidates in here. First get, that's good. Paul Rizicki was in as well. We had lots of calls for Mays. I had to turn them down because we, we're not going to take calls for one candidate and not the other. Up next, Clark Bitter, you're the Green Party's... Well, you're going to be nominated this afternoon, but you're running unopposed. You got a, right. a special letter from the leader, Mike Schreiner, saying this is our guy who's running unopposed, so I let you come in. So thanks for doing that. 2.30, you're having your nomination meeting where? at the In the Lamarche Room at the Victoria Street Avenue uh, Public Library in Niagara Falls. Nice. Tell us about your three priorities for Niagara Falls. Uh, three priorities for Niagara Falls are, uh, the first one is jobs. Um, obviously, it's on everybody's mind. Uh, I got a feeling that's going to be the first thing in all the candidates' mouth today, jobs. More than likely, jobs or health care, I would assume. Yep. Um, so jobs, health care, and raising the profile of arts and culture, it, it kind of doubles in with jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we're a gaming town now. We're, we're a tourist town, and we really need to, I think, sort of change the way we look at things as far as arts and culture goes. Uh, Vegas is the number one live capital of for live entertainment in the United States and I think we could really put some people into jobs by changing our strategy as a, as a city and becoming Canada's live entertainment capital. Talk to me about your economic plank of your platform then. How does the Green Party, you know, well, uh, do things differently than maybe the rest of them? The Green Party supports um small business and entrepreneurship. Um we support reductions in taxes to small business first off through the health um health tax the health care exemption tax, uh, the Green Party had asked the Liberal government to raise the exemption to $800,000, million, or $800, and they've raised it to $450,000 after that was delayed by in committee by the Tories and by the NDP for months and months and months and months. Um, we've asked for it to be, the exemption to be raised, raised to $800,000, and we've asked for protection of the food sector Um you know, the food sector is the largest employer in Ontario. We're talking about farms and food processing. and That uh, may surprise a lot of people. 
It, it would. Uh, it employs 740,000 people across the province and is the largest employer in, in our province. And we're seeing food processing plants disappear from across the region and across the province. Uh, lots of people being thrown out of work by this. And we need to protect our farms first in order for our processors to have food to process. And we need to protect our processors in order for our farms to have a market for their product to get to. This will encourage people to eat healthier and and have jobs. Local, sustainable food and, and water is very important. Uh, how do you, and I just speaking with Bart Maves earlier, you know, it's my assertion that provincial and federal governments aren't really that responsible for creating new jobs. I mean, that's not their function. So how do you how do you address well, that? We've asked um, and Mike Schreiner just wrote a letter to the premier asking that um, in, in the same way that the province helped out the auto industry, we want them to help out the food industry. And the first way, again, is farming and food processors. And, you know, they're not looking for handouts. But what these people would like is access to affordable financing. So either interest-free loans or very low interest loans so that they can expand and and perhaps save food processing plants, which would then, it's a trickle down. There's a, there is a lot of jobs in that sector that rely on each other. And when you lose one, you're going to lose two or three more down the road. Nice. Clark Bitter is your Green Party candidate running in the Niagara Falls riding for the upcoming by-election. Clark, just expand on your number two point for us. Well, their number two point is, um, again, Jobs through arts and culture. Um, Niagara has a wealth of talent in it, and um, we tend to sort of ignore that. And and these young people have had to put down their welding torches or um, factory tools that they thought they were going to do, and they picked up guitars and paintbrushes. I think that's a great analogy. Like I don't really see that, but it opens... Well, if you were in Niagara Falls, yeah. and uh, we just put out a, a call for artists for a concert that we're going to have on January 31st, and when we started tagging artists that we like, we got up to 50 individuals or artists in a matter of minutes. Yeah, uh, St. Catharines did the same thing for their concert series in the park. St. Catharines is the same thing. And yep. unfortunately, in, in Niagara, we tend to do them down by the shoreline as well. We don't bring those events into the city, and we don't have enough uh -huh. venues. So we'd like to look at um, pro possibly financing venues and definitely going after more diverse uh, festivals in the city of Niagara Falls or in the city of Fort Erie, bringing the visitors out from Niagara to Niagara-on-the-Lake to Fort Erie, where those festivals will help support local businesses up and down the street just by simply putting people there and bringing people back a second time. For example, if you were to bring a Earth Day festival to Niagara Falls and have it there every single year, mm -hmm. people will mark it on their calendars and they'll come back year after year. Same with perhaps a Carabana or some other type of cultural festival. Right. And then again, venues for local artists, um, maybe tax breaks for, for businesses that use local artists, some kind of incentive fund to get them to bring these artists into the bigger hotels, into the bigger places, and have them play. And what do you see your chances in this? You know, you're, you know, I consider not a fringe candidate anymore, but uh, you know, certainly not a, one of the big three that the media is constantly referring to. I hate when well, they do that. but yeah, That's always a bit of a struggle being the, the fourth guy in. Um, we want to raise the awareness of the Green Party's change and, and evolution as a party. Um, it started out with a grassroots movement. We'll always be a grassroots democratic style party, but we would, we've evolved where we've taken a greater look at the economy. Um, it's attracted people more like myself and some, some other 
conservative-minded people that and entrepreneurs. And the future really is green entrepreneurship, clean tech jobs. And um, another proposal is to bring these uh, eco-industrial parks into the Niagara region. We have tons of brown fields, and these parks are self-contained, self-powered, and through waste and through solar and wind. I mean, no, this is this is. Let me interrupt a little bit. This is a, this is well. I think it's a great idea. I don't know how feasible it is, but last time you were in, we had Mike Schreiner in a couple of weeks ago. You came in to compliment the conversation. Talk to me about this eco park. Well, it's being done in several places in Europe and um, and in China, and actually right here in Canada. This is um, a business community. It is an an industrial park. So like okay. you would have a traditional industrial park, but each industry within that park would sort of supply itself off of each other's waste. So hmm. water treatment plants on site, energy produce, production site um, is on site, solar on site. Solar is a, is a this technology is, is improving every day. In fact, it's probably improved since I got here today, somewhere in the world. And um, it's viable in northern communities now. Minnesota has proven it with um, several examples. And uh, if you go to my Facebook page, you'll find it there. Um, and it's viable here. We're a little south of them. We get enough sun. And these plants can run basically at a at a low or no energy cost. And you have living roofs on them, um, recycling plants on site. All waste is dealt with on site. And they're green. They're very good for attracting emerging markets in that, or emerging companies in that it's, it's a great advertising tool to say not only is our product green, but the way we make it is as well. And... There's a park just north of Jasper, and Delta British Columbia has several of them. They keep filling up with people, with companies quickly. These were depressed areas along the Fraser River, for example, that had lost industry. Um, New York State is attracting similar type of investment, and that's our competition right now. New York State is the competition for Ontario, and, and you know, they've given 10 year tax breaks, zero tax. If you bring a company there that employs people. Now, my first reaction to an industrial eco park was how are you going to be able to afford what these guys are making because it should be th- the prices will be through the roof and what they're making. You you assert that no, the ac- exact opposite is true that what they're be what they're There's have a- access to for natural resources, power and whatnot is actually cheaper. Well, it is. If you're reusing your waste to gain energy for your plant, you're not going to the grid to get it. So there's a bill you don't have. Um there's a lot of money in garbage. There's a, and garbage is, is the wrong word for it. We used to call it um, secondary resource. Right. It's something that you can mine. You can go into what you normally throw away, and you can utilize it for other uses. You can turn different types of, of waste into fuel that can be used to, to generate electricity or to generate the, the heat required for a furnace. Um, and if you stay away from non-biodegradable products, some of your waste can then be biodegraded and used, again, recapture methane, boil it, spin for spin turbines for electricity, and then help power your plant from that. It requires several types of these, but they work in conjunction to power your plant completely. Now, the old green stereotype, you certainly don't represent that as far as coming in a nice suit and all that kind of stuff. What's your background, quickly, before we get out? Uh, my background is I am a certified Red Seal chef. Um, oh, really? Yeah. I, I heard you talking you about that. being a chef, but I okay. I 30 years as a chef, so wow. I really know a lot of the industry in Niagara. And an entrepreneur. I've started uh, a couple of companies, including uh, PNC Compotech um, and Batter Up Fish and Chips on Main Street in a, in a revitalization area. And, um, you know, the struggles around uh, 
life sometimes make things stop mm-hmm. uh, and batter up closed at the end of November. Um, but we keep trying and, and, and trying to create jobs firsthand, I guess, in, yep. in Niagara Falls. And um, I've been involved in the environment for a lot of time. We helped establish a steering committee for the Humber River in Toronto that brought back shoreline and brought back natural rehabilitation of uh, fish stocks. And um, I've, I've, 2010, I won the Environment Award for uh, the city of Niagara Falls and the top 40 under 40. And uh, I moved here 10 years ago for my son and now he's gone off to college and we're still here in the falls nice clark bitter is your green party candidate for the riding of niagara falls for the by-election to replace kim crater up next your liberal candidate joyce morocco this is 610 cktv